Today's scripture comes from Acts chapter 28, verses 23 through 31. I'll be reading from the NIV. Hear the word of the Lord. They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. He witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. And from the law of Moses and from the prophets, he tried to persuade them about Jesus. Some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul had made this final statement. The Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, Trinity Church. It is good to be with you this morning. In the first service, I told them that I was going to start a little bit different than even what I was expecting to this morning. I think this morning, I just feel like we need to be reminded that our Lord is kind to us. Our Lord is good to us. And I think this week, some of the people in our church and some of us, we've received some hard news. We've dealt with some difficult things. And I think sometimes it's good for us as a church just to pause and remind ourselves that our God is good to us. He loves you, and He's compassionate towards you. He's just a good God. One of the things that in my prayer life I focus on is the goodness of God because this world is not good. And when we compare Him with what we receive in this world, there's no comparison. He is good. And I want you to know this morning that whatever has gone on in your world, and sometimes we, when we walk through these doors, we bring baggage with us. I pray that this morning we can set those down. And we all know that the God of this whole universe is compassionate towards you. He loves you. And this morning as we open God's Word, I pray that we are able to turn that off, all of that stuff of the world off, and listen to the Lord speak. So this morning is a special morning for us, Trinity. Do any of you know what happened 336 days ago? Oh, because you were in the first service, right? So 336 days ago, we began our study going through the book of Acts. That's right. So here we are. We're at the end. And at the book of, in the book of Acts, we saw that God was faithfully building His church. Acts is our history. It's our story. It's a story of victory. It's a story of God's glory. 
It's a story of hope. And it's a story that proves that God is faithful to His Word. In Psalm 86.9, it says, All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, O Lord. They will bring glory to your name. And church, I pray that we believe verses like this, this morning, that all the nations will come to the Lord. The book of Acts shows us that God is dead serious about the evangelization of every nation. There's not one corner of this world, there's not one square inch of this globe that God is indifferent about. He wants it all. He is a jealous God and He deserves it all. Zephaniah 2.11 is one of my favorite verses and it says, The nations on every shore will worship Him. The nations on every shore will worship Him. The book of Acts is not just our history and not just our story. It is also our mission. And so today, we end this journey through the book of Acts together. But the story isn't finished yet, is it, church? We're not done yet. There's still so much left for us to do. You and I today, we work for the King And today, as we look at Acts 28 together, you and I will see that the kingdom of God was on the mind of Luke throughout his entire book. Both the Luke, the Gospel, and Acts. Both of his books. The expansion of the kingdom of God was no small theme throughout the book of Acts. So let's pray and let's ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, I love you. And I thank you for this moment. I thank you that you have gathered your people together. I pray that we listen to your words. Father, I pray that we get the gist of what you are saying in the book of Acts. And Father, be with me this morning as I present this. Calm my heart. May what happened in the study come out in the pulpit, Father. May you be with us in this moment. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's take a quick poll. Who in here likes to travel? Okay, you like to travel. That was a lot of you. All right, so is there anyone in here that just doesn't like to travel? Okay, we got a few. We got a few. I, I, I figured it would be split a little bit this morning. I figured this would kind of be a mixed bag. But journeys are not always easy, are they, church? In our journey through Acts, we've seen tremendous highs and tremendous lows. And the journey for the church in Acts, it was not an easy one. None of us in here probably have a story that comes close to comparing to the difficulty Paul had while on his journey to Rome. And last week, Jeff told us about Paul's shipwreck while on his journey in Paul joyfully, even after this shipwreck, he, he pressed on. And Luke vividly describes this shipwreck for us. And Luke tells us that the storms and the battering of the ship, it went on for many, many days. And chapter 27 ends with telling us that they were ordered to jump overboard and swim to the shore or grab whatever cargo they could and make their way to shore. And I want you to see that our chapter, chapter 28 today, it begins with the scene of all these men finally making it to shore. And they're cold, and they're wet, and at this point they don't even know where they are, and they find out that 
eventually that they're on an island called Malta. And the Bible tells us that these native people, they, were, they greeted them and they were extremely kind to them. And they started a fire to warm them all up. And Paul, doing what he does, decided to help them and began to gather up some sticks for this fire. And not much could make this story for Paul worse. Not much could make this journey for Paul worse. But snakes, snakes can definitely make a story worse. (laughs) Any story. But especially this one. Verse 3 tells us that Paul, while he was getting some wood for the fire, a viper comes out and latches itself to his hand. Now this wasn't just a dry strike. This wasn't a snake that hit him and released This thing latched onto him and he got the full weight of the venom in the snake. And the natives, when they saw this, they knew that this was a bad thing. They knew that Paul was in a bad shape. They just knew that he was as good as dead. And verse 4 says, "When When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer. Though he has escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. You see, in Greco-Roman folklore, there was a story of prisoners that had escaped during a shipwreck only to die later from a snake bite. And Paul's situation was a real-life example to these people of this well-known story. They just knew that Paul was going to die. They watched Paul shake off this snake into the fire off of his hand and never get sick from it. No swelling, no anything. And when they saw that Paul, that had, the snake had no effect on Paul, now they go from thinking that he's a murderer to thinking that he is a god. And now I'm sure that Paul clears up all this misunderstanding because the Bible tells us that he spent the rest of his time in Malta healing everyone who came to him with diseases. Paul even healed the leading official's father who was deathly ill. Now remember, this whole point of this journey was for Paul to make it to Rome. Paul was appealing to Caesar. When I, when I thought about Paul's journey, I thought about how lucky he was to not be traveling with kids. <laughs> I know that's a weird thought, but trips with small children, they just make everything completely different. And those of you that are parents, you know this. It's just completely different. And when I was thinking about having a a family, I was not mentally prepared for how difficult trips would be. It's shocking how much harder everything is. And do you remember the question that all kids love to ask when on a road trip? There we go. They said it in the first service. You guys must know it too. So are we there yet? And in my family, you can expect this question to be asked at least once every three uh, minutes, without fail. Are we there yet? Especially my daughter, Avery. I, I love her to death. And it's always so cute when she says it. After about a three-hour car ride, though, you get a little frustrated. But she always asks these questions. She says, are we there yet? How much longer? Are we even close? And I often try to comfort Avery in a long journey. And I'll say something like this. It won't be long, baby. Just a little while longer. I want you to stay with me. Trust me, we'll be there soon. And I thought about this trip that Paul was on. And I thought about how the Holy Spirit must have comforted Paul 
while he was on this trip. And I'm sure that the Holy Spirit said some of these very similar things to him. Paul, it won't be long. Trust me, just a little while longer. And church, in this moment, ask yourself, has the Holy Spirit ever spoke to you this way when you were going through a season that was tough? The Holy Spirit just comforted you with the words of, it won't be long, just a little while longer. Trust me, don't give up. We're almost there. And they weren't in Rome yet, so this journey must continue. And they waited another three months in Malta to make sure that the weather was right for the journey. And then they set sail, and they all gathered onto a ship that was available there in Malta. And it had as its figurehead the, uh, the Greek gods of Castor and Pollux. And Castor and Pollux were thought to be the twin sons of Zeus and Leda. And were thought to be the gods who protected people while traveling out in the open seas. And more than likely, this was a beautifully ornate, hand-carved ship. So this was a beautiful ship. And I'm sure that this gave Paul a great launching point to talk about the one true God that he served. So from Malta, they traveled on to Rome, but they took a few stops along the way. And I want you to kind of see, and I don't have the fancy laser pointer this morning, but we do have a slide to show you. And you can kind of see the very bottom, that's where Malta is. That's where the shipwreck is, at the very bottom. And then they travel on to Syracuse, and then Rigium up a little bit along the coast of Sicily. And then they go to Puteoli, I think that's how you pronounce it, maybe not. And then Form of Apius, and then the Three Taverns, and then on to Rome. So they had a lot of stops left along in this journey. And we know that Paul had never made it to Rome up to this point in his life, but I want you to see something fascinating. I think it's fascinating. Paul and his party was greeted by fellow Christians at two different points along in this last leg of the journey, at the Forum of Apius and at the Three Taverns. And in verse 15, it says, And the brothers there, when they heard about us, came as far as from the uh, Forum of Apius and the Three Taverns to meet us. On seeing them, Paul thanked God and took courage. This says that the brothers came out to meet them. And this word meet here in the Greek is actually an important word because it, it means that this group of people is spoken of like a group of people that would go out and meet an approaching dignitary or important person and then escort them back to town as a welcomed guest. So here in this story, Paul, the prisoner, he's an expected welcomed guest among the Christians. These brothers knew of his coming and they were welcome they were excited about welcoming him there. And verse 16 tells us that they finally made it to Rome. So this means it was time for Paul to kick back and relax, right? His journey was over. He could have some lemonade. It was all done. And if my daughter was on this trip, I guarantee you she would ask, "Are we there yet?" And what do you think Paul would say? He would remind her that this journey was not about getting Paul the man to Rome. It was not about getting the man, Paul, to stand before Caesar. It was about the gospel getting to Rome. You see, you and I will miss the purpose of this story if we think that this journey was just about the man, Paul, getting to Rome. It wasn't. This was a journey for the gospel. 
This was a journey for the message of the church. This was a journey for the expansion of the kingdom of God. And all the turmoil that took place was not necessarily what Paul went through. That's not the point of the story. Acts is a story that tells us how important the message of the church is. Everything Paul went through was worth it. And I know that he would be willing to do it all over again if it was needed because the message of Jesus Christ is the most important message of all of history. So if my daughter was there, she would ask, are we there yet? And I think Paul would simply say, just a little while longer. Just a little while longer. Paul's mission was not complete. He must proclaim the gospel. And three days into his, his arriving in Rome, three days is all it took for him to get back to work. He, Luke tells us that he calls all the Jewish leaders together and he wanted to talk to them. And verses 17 through 20 is what he says to them initially. And I want you to hear this. It says, Brothers, though I had done nothing against our people or the custom of our fathers, customs of our fathers, Yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. When they had examined me, they wished to set me at liberty because there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. But because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar. Though I had no charge to bring against my nation, for this reason, therefore, I have asked to see you and speak with you, since it is because of the hope of Israel that I am wearing this chain." So Paul is speaking to them. He wanted them to know who he was and why he had come to Rome. And I think Paul wanted to see what they knew about him and his situation as well. Paul tells them that he was a prisoner who followed after the customs of their fathers, but things went a little sideways with the Jews in Jerusalem. Paul tells them that he was an innocent man and that he loved Israel. And Paul tells them that because the Jews wanted to kill him, he had no other choice to appeal but to appeal to Caesar. Paul also tells them, them that he is a Christ follower. He tells them that the hope of Israel is Jesus Christ. And because of his belief in this Messiah, this is the reason he was in chains. And I find it surprising that none of these Jews even knew who Paul was. It was as if Jerusalem had sent no correspondence warning of him. The only thing that these Jews knew was that belief in Jesus was spoken against everywhere. But in verse 22, we read that they desired to hear more from Paul. They wanted to know what he believed about these things. Well, the Jews, they're about to get their chance. And so verses 23 through 28, we're about to read this. And these are Paul's last statements in the book of Acts. And last statements are very, very important. And oftentimes, last statements, they summarize or they boil down what's really going on. This last interaction with the Jews and Paul's last words in Acts are vital for us to understand what the main message of Acts is. But before we get there, before we look at the end of this book, I want to remind us of how this book started out. So if we go jump all the way back to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we read this. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach 
until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Luke here tells us that for 40 days, Jesus taught his disciples. Jesus had so many things that he could have talked to his disciples about. Imagine all the fascinating things that he could have talked to them about. Imagine what you would have wanted to hear from Jesus if you were able to spend 40 days with him. But Luke tells us that he spent this time talking about the kingdom of God. And if I was to ask you to write down the three things that you thought Jesus talked or taught about the most, what would be on your list? And I think we would all have slightly different lists, but my hope is that some of us would recognize that the kingdom of God was one of Jesus' primary teachings. And it can be said that the kingdom of God is the central theme of the entire Bible. The kingdom of God is the thing that connects the Old Testament to the New Testament. And we all remember when the angel came to announce to Mary that she would have a child. We read this each Christmas. Do we remember the words of this angel? They're important. In Matthew 1, 30-33, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold... You will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, who? David, connected to the Old Testament. And he will reign over the house of who? Jacob, connection to the Old Testament forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. The first words of Jesus' ministry that are recorded for us in Matthew 4.17, and it says, From that time Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus, in his own words, tells us that proclaiming the kingdom of God was what he was sent to do. In Luke 4.43, this is early on in Jesus' ministry, it says, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. In the book of Matthew, the kingdom of God is referenced over 50 times. That's almost twice a chapter. In Mark, it's mentioned almost 20 times in a 16-chapter book. In Luke's Gospel, Luke's first book, the precursor to our book of Acts, the kingdom of God is mentioned over 40 times. Church, Jesus was not quiet about His kingdom. He was not silent about His throne. This idea of the kingdom is not just an idea. It's not just a good thought. The kingdom is not just a metaphor for Jesus ruling in some kind of abstract spiritual way. The kingdom of God is real, church, and Jesus really sits at the right hand of the Father on the throne. Jesus really is the King of kings. Church, one of the many reasons why I love Trinity and I love being with you guys is you guys are a praying people. You love to pray for each other. And I can't tell you how encouraged I've been. And even from those of you that have told me that you've been encouraged by the church praying for you through so many different things that go on in our lives. 
And recently for me, you've been praying for my father who fell and broke his leg, and um, he just got the clear to move on and walk, so that's great. Um, And some of you know that both of my kids right now have a stomach virus, and so it's been fun in my house for the last week. Um, so I, I just so appreciate you guys praying for us. It's, it's such a joy to know that Trinity is filled with praying people. And from time to time, our church, we recite the Lord's Prayer together. And I want to do it again this morning with us, just right where you're sitting. I'm going to have it up here on the screen. Let's recite the Lord's Prayer together. It says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Church, do you hear it even in this prayer? Jesus is telling us how He wants us to pray. He's telling us what the content of our prayer life should be. He says, Your kingdom come, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Trinity, we pray for the kingdom to come because the only hope for our world is that every knee would bow in submission to this King. It's the only hope for our politics, for our marriages, for our families, for the education system, for wars in our world, and for our economies. And we often sing here in this church, we sing a song called, Is He Worthy? And one of the lines in it is a question. It says, Do you feel the world is broken? And we respond back to that saying, we do. We recognize that this world, this kingdom is broken. The Trinity, the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ changes everything. It changes everything. I want you just to imagine for a second Just imagine for a second what politics in this country would look like if everyone there on Capitol Hill would surrender to the king. What would happen in our country if everyone there surrendered to King Jesus and were a part of his kingdom? This is what we are to pray for. This is what we are to pray for. The book of Acts begins with talk about the kingdom and it ends with talk about the kingdom. The theme of the kingdom of God, it serves as bookends to the book of Acts. And the word kingdom, it's only used eight times in the entire book. But half of those times are split between the first chapter and the last chapters of Acts. And Acts 1.8 is one of the most important verses in the whole book of Acts. And most of you will recognize it when I read it. It even serves as an outline, for the, a brief outline for the whole book of Acts. And Acts 1.8 says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Do you remember why Jesus made this statement? Acts 1.8 just doesn't arrive. There's a reason why Jesus is making this statement. It comes out of a question about the kingdom being restored to Israel just 
two verses earlier. The disciples asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So this beautiful and powerful verse of Acts 1.8, it comes out of the question about the kingdom. And so the disciples in Acts 1, they had questions about the kingdom of God for Jesus. And the Jews that Paul was talking to in chapter 28, they had questions about the kingdom. So Paul set up this time to have all these many Jewish leaders come over and Luke records what their conversation was about. And remember, these are Paul's last words and they're vital for us to understand what's going on in the book of Acts. And there's a lot packed in here, so stay with me through this. But this is Acts 28, 23-28. It says, From morning till evening he expounded to them, testifying to the kingdom of God. Pause for just a second. You remember chapter 1 where it says, Luke tells us that Jesus spent 40 days talking about the kingdom of God. That's what he did. Here we have Paul having one day where he, from morning to evening, that's what he was testifying about, the kingdom of God. We'll go on and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. And some were convinced by what he said, but others disbelieved. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. Church, listen to what Paul says to these Jewish leaders. He says, The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your fathers through Isaiah the prophet, Go to this people and say, You will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear. And their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Verse 28, Therefore, therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. And did you know that there's another way to translate the word Gentiles? And it is the same word. Verse 28, you can translate the word Gentiles like this. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the nations. They will listen. And if my daughter Avery was there at this moment, and she saw Paul begging and pleading with these men to come to Christ for this whole day, and she saw the confrontation of the Jews and with Paul after a full day of this, I know my daughter, and she would still ask, are we done yet? Are we there yet? How much longer, Paul? Are we even close? When's the time to rest? And church, I believe that Paul, in Paul's response back to my daughter, he would look at her and say, oh child, we have just begun. We have just begun this journey. And church, Jesus did not come to save just one nation. He had no intention of only being the king of the Jews. He is to be the desire of every nation. Paul is telling them that King Jesus wants and deserves worldwide dominion. Remember Zephaniah 2.11? The nations on every shore will worship Him. Church, we have no small king. We have no small king. The book ends by telling us that Paul lives in Rome for an additional two years in his own dwelling. 
welcoming anyone who would come and listen to him boldly proclaim about the kingdom of Jesus. And you see, even though Paul had made it to Rome, this journey wasn't over. There was still a lot of work left for him to do. And Trinity, my daughter's question on these road trips is actually a great question for us to ask ourselves periodically as a church. Are we there yet? Have we arrived? Is it time for us to take our rest? Has the kingdom of God come? Is His will being done on earth as it is in heaven? Church, our journey isn't over. And for a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, it's just begun. And if I'm right and the book of Acts is about building the kingdom of God, then building the kingdom of God is hard work. It isn't for the faint of heart. It takes devoted men and women. It takes sacrificial men and women. It takes long-suffering citizens of the kingdom of God. It takes initiative. It takes passion. It takes resiliency. It takes a laying down of one's own preferences and desires. And it takes people who will look past all the mess And yes, sometimes the mess inside of the church and stick to the mission. Church work, kingdom work is hard work. And many people give up on the kingdom work too soon. They give up on the church. They see something that they don't like and they bow out. And kingdom work isn't about us. It's about the King. Some of us have experienced tremendous hurt and pain along the way in this journey. I'm convinced that one of the worst pains a Christian can experience is church hurt pain. I've been there. A wound that comes to us from inside of the walls of the church. And many of us have experienced tremendous disappointments in people and in situations that didn't go the way that we thought that they should. And while many of us have experienced hurt while serving the church, church, let me tell you something I can guarantee you. The Lord has never done you wrong. The Lord has never done you wrong. So church, don't give up. Don't give in. Stay the course. Don't, go, don't give in to the voice that tells you it's okay just to sit at home. Stay involved in the body and in the bride of Christ. There's still a lot left to do. And think of all the opportunities that Paul had to quit along the way. Think of how many people that he once called brothers wounded him deeply. He never quit and he pressed on because the gospel of the kingdom of Jesus Christ was worth it then and it is worth it today. So how do we as people expand the kingdom of God? Grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ through His Word. Live differently than this world. Speak boldly to others about the King of Kings. Seek the salvation of lost people in our communities. Teach your kids and your grandkids about the Savior of the world. Church, strengthen your marriages and make them look like the relationship between Christ and His church. Invest in your church both financially and with your time and with your efforts. Pray for the Gospel to reach the nations. And finally, live a joy-filled life serving the King of kings and the Lord of lords. All of this, when you and I live out the Christian life, it will have an impact on our world. It will have an impact on our world. And my prayer this morning is that we're a people that desire to see the kingdom come. 
And that we're a people that work for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And church, this journey that began in Acts is still going today. And Trinity, what we do here as a people, what we do here as a bride, as a family, as the body of Christ, what we do here, it is important. And we cannot forget this. I wasn't going to say this, but when I was younger, our churches used to sing a song called Onward Christian Soldier, and you guys probably remember it. But somewhere along the way, we quit singing it. We saw ourselves as soldiers for the Lord. And it's gone away. But I pray that it's still in our hearts, that message that we are to press onward as soldiers for the Lord. Won't you join us? Won't you join in on this mission? Won't you join in on this kingdom building work? Let's do it together. And Dana, as you and the team come up, I want to ask a question in closing. So Trinity, have we arrived yet? Are we there? Is our journey over? Is it time for us to take our rest? And in here in just a second, we're going to sing a song. It's one of my favorite songs we sing here at this church. And it answers this question, I believe. And I want you to listen to the words of the song before we sing it. It says this, It won't be long. We will behold Him. And every tear He'll wipe away. We'll be at home and the war will be over. And soon we will meet our Savior face to face. And every burden will be lifted in His presence. And every trophy be laid down at His feet. There is a name that reigns above the others. Jesus Christ, the King above all kings. And church, this morning, I pray that you are encouraged because we have a King.